There it is. That music can only mean one thing and one thing only. It is time for On the Outside with myself, Marcus Taylor, and joining us always is Harry Vanderwood. Tails, welcome. Welcome to the pod. Uh, pretty big week, pretty big last couple of days. Um, how are you feeling there in Melbourne? Oh, look, you know, there's a, a, a probably a sense of resignation about lockdown. I tend to thrive in lockdown because what happens is uh, all these people are out there living their lives and enjoying themselves, whereas my life is pretty much lockdown conditions anyway. So everyone sort of, it's like, it's like wet weather football, you know, when the ball's on the ground and the less skilled players get involved. Sure. That's, that's my life when it comes to lockdown. Yeah, I understand. Sort of bringing, bringing the pack back to you a little yeah, bit. 100%. 100%. I'm already at this level and I'm more than prepared to, uh, to deal with it. Yeah, well, I'm expecting to see you thriving over the next seven days and, and perhaps for your sake, hopefully a longer lockdown and you can really get stuck in. Yeah, look, I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> hoping, hoping that that's still on the table. <laughs> uh, all right. All jokes Shout out are... to our Victorian <laughs> listeners right now. All jokes aside, if you don't laugh, you cry. Uh, so Taz, obviously COVID has sort of dominated the, uh, the news the last three days. So we can't sort of talk about too much sporting-wise without acknowledging COVID. Um, AFL, what's going on in, in Victoria and Melbourne and, and what's sort of the AFL strategy going to be over the next seven days, two weeks? Well, I think they feel pretty calm about it. I would anticipate that probably for the next two weeks, a lot more of the Victorian teams are going to move. Just, just quickly on that, on those games moving, there mm. was, as, as there always are and last year as well, rumours swirling in Tassie and Hobart that, that perhaps we might get a, uh, that we might be getting a fixture. And as per last year, uh, there was no fixture in Hobart. There was no plans. Um, uh, the government sort of comes out and says they're in conversations with the AFL about a, a possible hub and, uh, and you just feel like that's never going to happen. But every time we get drawn in and we get excited about some extra games uh, in the States. So that was, well, that was good fun. I, li- I like it that you get excited about having games in the state, but at the same time, there is absolutely no way you're going to let in anybody that's, you know, mentioned the word COVID. Absolutely not. And, and to be fair, if you imagine if you're playing games in Launceston, I don't know if Launceston's necessarily equipped to, you know, to handle 100 people coming into the state. I'm not sure they've ever had 100 people coming to Launceston. So yeah, that's that a good point. That's a very good point. Touch base with some of the Launceston listeners. The airport listeners. isn't too bad there, though, now. I like their airport. It's nice. It's classy. Anyway, we digress. But, yes, so I anticipate that um, the Victorian teams will, if they aren't already out of Victoria, will probably leave Victoria and be out for a couple of weeks at this stage. So provided nothing gets any worse, they, uh, it'll be this round and next round. Uh, unfortunately, it's a, a Sir Doug Nichols round, the Indigenous round over these two weeks. The Melbourne-Brisbane game probably won't occur in the top end either. Uh, so that is disappointing. But I, I don't anticipate it having the long-term impacts that last season's had. I, I don't think this is going to be a situation where teams are going to be in hubs for, uh, for 10 weeks plus. No, well, it seems like at this stage, hopefully uh, it's just a short and Victorian-only um, sort of issue um so yeah hopefully they can they can stay out of the hubs and and just maybe get through two or three weeks max mm. max um and and move on from there so that'll be interesting tells just some quick quick fire questions obviously pretty early to be uh, to be knowing how long this will go on for the afl um but let's say let's say it goes on three or four weeks yeah um you'd think straight away that melbourne teams have a disadvantage but who do you think is the most disadvantaged by not being able to play in melbourne um as far as we're thinking like premiership top four aspirations, 
Who do you think is disadvantaged most? The obvious answer is always for this Richmond because it means they don't get to play at the G. Uh, but uh, A, they didn't play at the G a lot last year. And B, they've got a softish run over these next few weeks. So they probably weren't, you know, they could play Adelaide or Essendon anywhere. They're still going to beat them. It doesn't matter. I would say the team that, that will be disadvantaged the most will be the teams that are really rolling well. So you look at a team like the, basically the Dogs or Melbourne. Both of them rolling well, in a great rhythm, think this is going to be hashtag their year. And then they have to go and do something, change their routine, change everything. And all of a sudden you stumble, there's a buy in there, you've, you haven't won in four weeks and it just builds up. And I think that might be the, what's going to happen. Yeah, okay. That makes sense. And on the flip side of that, Tails, who do you think is going to gain the most advantage? So, like, I think maybe Brisbane, Sydney, possibly Sydney can't win at the SCG, but is it is it a team like Brisbane who have been on a roll, six six in a row, I think it is now, um, if they can get, you know, another three, three games at home, maybe steal an away game and take it back to the Gabba, is that going to be best for them? Well, people do forget that Brisbane... Uh, had to stay in Melbourne for a while earlier in the season. So they've already had that. They have been the most disadvantaged team so far this, t- this season because they had that little stretch where they had to uh, to stay over, uh, stay for the week in Melbourne. So they're already slightly disadvantaged anyway. So they probably just get back to parity. I think it's actually going to suit the teams that someone like Port Adelaide, like Port Adelaide can have a few soft kills through this time and that would really suit them. And I also think it works. I thought it was interesting during the week that uh, the St Kilda president came out and said, oh, look, you know, uh, amongst many things, sorry for the season, but uh, clearly we overrated ourselves because we adjusted so well to the hub last year compared to other teams. And if I was guessing at a team that really needed that break and needed the, the release of pressure, it would be someone like Carlton. I think it'd be great for Carlton not to be <laughs> not to be around around Melbourne media right now. It'd be great for their sort of underperforming players just to go and play their games in Sydney and, and Brisbane. I will get your thoughts uh, very shortly on Naomi Osaka and her move during the week. But before we do that, I want to invent another segment, actually. Have we, have we actually repeated any of our segments from the past at this point? No, but I think that's how we like it. Move on. Yeah, true. So we haven't had do... any good ones. We haven't had any good segments. <laughs> this so. is true. If you do like any of them, dear listener, please do hit us up. But just want to bring in the uh, on the outside book club here. Book clubs are still popular, aren't they? Is that they, still a thing? Yeah, they took off during during COVID, I believe. So There you go. Let's get amongst it. I'm in, I'm in lockdown again. So we'll bring the, back the uh, the book club. And I just want to... Nominate the first book here is uh, is called The Boys Club, written by Mick Warner, who is uh, a journalist at the Herald Sun. This book uh, details basically the Demetrio McLaughlin administrations at the AFL. So it goes through all the big stories like the uh, West Coast Eagles drug saga. Do you remember? Do you remember Chad Fletcher? His heart stopped beating in Vegas. Do you remember that story? Yeah, I think a bit of off-season shenanigans, perhaps. Yeah. Well, you think about it, he nearly died. You had, yeah, uh, the Essendon drug saga, uh, the Sydney, which is very close to your heart, Vanders, and how the AFL has uh, has screwed you. Have you gotten over that at all? I just don't understand it, Pals. I still, to this day, I just would like it to be explained to me. Anyway, I could rant for hours, so we won't. But, yeah, sorry, continue. Yes, uh, Melbourne tanking saga and the, uh, the Talia brothers cheating or parent cheating as well so that all those stories are in there and i think maybe what we'll do over the next three or four weeks is bring our listeners 
one of these stories uh, from the book uh, over the next three or four weeks. And of course, I do encourage you to go and uh, read, the, read it for yourself. Don't just take our word for it. The one I think we'll do next week, uh, we'll start with a big one, the Essendon drug saga. And not so much the Essendon side of things, but what I will leave you with this, Sanders, is that there's not one, not two, but three other clubs that all worked with Stephen Dank during his time in the AFL. Yeah, okay. Well, that certainly wasn't, uh, certainly hasn't come to light at all. Oh, well, if you want to know the full story there, please do listen to us next week. Do not buy the book, listen to the podcast. <laughs> Now, Vanders, uh, we'll get to our hot takes just shortly because I know uh, that you're, you're always keen to bring them up. Mine tend to uh, crash and burn spectacularly, which I think is why you like bringing it up. But before we leave today, I just wanted to have a quick chat about Naomi Osaka, one of the biggest uh, up-and-coming stars in the world and just recently signed a massive new deal with Nike as well. I've actually been to Osaka last year and surprisingly, her face is everywhere. But uh, announced during the week that for Roland Garros, for the French Open, which is, is beginning in the next week, that she wouldn't be doing any press conferences. What's your gut feel on this, firstly, when a player says they're not going to do any more media? Well, first, first thoughts on this was I have never connected Naomi Osaka with the city of Osaka. Fair enough. So I mean, it's, just, it's the same as like, I don't know, Tim English, well, I guess. Yeah, interesting though. Um, yeah, never made that connection. So that's probably my first takeaway from this particular story. No, uh, I think that it is it is an interesting move and there's been quite mixed reactions um, from a wide variety of groups. The media obviously not not happy with it um, and uh, which, which makes sense. So that's sort of their job, how they get a lot of their stories, their information. Um, past players, I know Novak Djokovic came out and said, look, it's just part of the game. Like, that's just tennis. You, you have to do it. It's contractually um, obliged. Uh, but then a lot of the fans who I think probably don't understand the sort of the obligation or how it all works to come out in, in support of Versaka um, and tended to say, yeah, like, good on you. If it's for mental health, great work, which, you know, you do have to protect your own mental health. Um so, yeah, it's a really hard, it's a hard one, Tails. But I personally think that there's so many press conferences and it happens in AFL, it happens in all sports where, you know, the coach or a player goes in, they're in a bad mood. They give absolutely nothing away to the media. They, you know, I think there was one the other day in the NRL where the coach gave 150 words in his entire press conference. Um, so the media get frustrated with that. They poke and prod trying to get any reaction and then the two the two parties just end up getting pushed further and further and further apart. Um, the athletes or the coaches don't want to answer these ridiculous questions, so they give less. And as they give less, the reporters ask more and more ridiculous questions, trying to get anything out. So I don't know if what she's doing is is helpful overall, but if it works for her personally and she's happy to pay the fine, then I guess that's that's her choice. I do wonder, just purely as a thought experiment, whether all other players in the history of sports actually do find this process of going into the press conference after a match really painful. And if they do find it so painful, then, yeah, maybe it's Naomi Osaka's the first one to put her hand up and say, you know what, this is shit. I'm not going to keep doing this. And like, I have no idea whether, um, 
whether or not that that is actually the case or is this purely Naomi Osaka herself saying you know what this is actually a really stressful experience for me I'm not going to do this anymore and I don't know whether or not to congratulate her for being strong enough and also successful and rich enough to to be able to say hey you know what this is something I don't want to do I'm not going to do it or whether or not we should go back and say, hey, this is the same for everyone. Like you can't imagine Roger Federer, Roger Federer putting his hand up and saying, you know what, I'm not going to do this. Well, I think the AFL particularly use, let's say, they promote Martin and Franklin themselves, meaning that Martin and Franklin don't need to actually do any promotion, whereas tennis uh, probably don't do the same with their stars. The other thing is that I find interesting um, you know, traditionally, a press conference has been a way for players to connect with their fans. Um, but now with the rise of social media, um, you know, Twitter, Instagram, videos to fans, maybe the players just aren't seeing that they're getting anything out of these press conferences. Mm, you know, they I don't agree. need to relate yeah. to fans. But, you know, Roger would always have, Roger Federer would always have a joke in his press conference and, and come off relatable and do well for their brand. But now players are finding other avenues to that and they're only seeing the press conferences as a pain in the ass. Yeah. And they're deciding, I don't want to do it anymore. And you look at the reactions to, to Osaka's post and her fans just absolutely loved her for it. There's not, there's none of her fans sitting there going, gee, you know, I'm a big Naomi Osaka fan, but this feels a bit arrogant. So I'm not going to support her anymore. There's nobody sitting there doing that. So you're, you're absolutely right. Yeah. I think they possibly need to reimagine the press conference and, get some benefit in there for the players because at this stage, I think like Osaka saying, they're just not seeing any benefits and they're happy to cop the, cop the fine. But why, why do they exist then? They exist essentially so we can understand the athlete better. So if Osaka wins or loses, we want to know what she was thinking when she did it, right? That, that's why it exists. And we dress it up in this thing about, oh, promoting your brand and connecting with your fans and all that sort of stuff. That's, that's, I think that's the media you know, trying to invent reasons for why it exists. But the reality is, this is we want to know more about Naomi Osaka and she doesn't want us to. So does she have an obligation to everybody that's watched her play to let us know more about her or is simply her playing? Is that where the line ends? As soon as the, she shakes hands with the umpire, that's where our or her obligation to us as fans ends. Well, I think as as sort of we just said that I think that she's meeting her fan obligation right. through different channels. Yeah. And to be honest, what do we, as fans of the game and, and taking your media hat off for a second tails as fans of the game, we only really hear about press conferences when someone has, you know, often in tennis, it's a player just perhaps showing that they're a little bit upset that their opponent had 17 injury breaks mm. or they went off to see their doctor. And that's the only, we look for that scandal and that's the only press conferences we hear about. Mm rather than just your stock standard, like, yeah, played well, happy, like happy to be in Paris playing tennis, blah, blah, blah. We really, the press conferences seem to be angling for that special story um, of, of sort of uh, normally a dig at another player or official like that that they could jump over. No, fair, fair enough. Good point, Ben. Is, uh, now we've got some hot, have we got some hot takes to, uh, to finish this off? Yeah, well, I wanted to review our hot takes from last week. Uh, tales. Mm-hmm. I was tremendously unsuccessful with mine. Yeah. Um, so last week I suggested that we will hear from Cam Bancroft this this week or week just gone 
uh, he'll come out and sort of clarify his statements that he made about suggesting other people knew about the ball tampering saga. He has been very silent. There's been nothing. So that is a big cross in my book. How did you go? Yeah, well, uh, Bancroft, I think the only thing I've seen of him this week was getting uh, trapped in front by Pete Siddle, which is fantastic. Um, but uh, mine was my prediction was David Teague wouldn't be coaching this week. So unless he is struck down by the virus in the next 48 hours, <laughs> um, or I don't know, maybe he has a flu or something. He has a cold or I don't know, he has a track, like he breaks down in a car on the way to the ground then uh, unfortunately, I, I think I will fall short. So have you got anything for this week? I do. I do. Um, it comes from a negative place. Oh, I love that. Yeah. My dislike of the demons. Mm-hmm. I, my prediction is wheels to fall off for Melbourne this week after yeah, their good. first loss. Good. And 50, 50 point loss to the Bulldogs in front of no one at the home of the Tigers, Marvel Stadium. I am actually going to go the complete opposite, Anders, because I genuinely think I I don't believe in the dogs. I believe in Melbourne. I don't believe in the dogs at all. And I actually think the wheels will come off for them tonight Mm. and they will be utterly destroyed. And we're going to walk away going "Eh," about the dogs this year. And we're going to be down to three premiership contenders at the end of Friday night's match. And the dogs won't be one of them. After five weeks, it is one all, and they're tenuous at best. Tails, anything else for me at all for this weekend? I think that's all in sport, Vanders. Mm-hmm.